Welcome to Neurodiversity University. I'm Marissa Davis. This is Brandon Park. And today we have a guest. Steve Migton. We're very excited to have you here with us today. Steve, what do you do? So I'm a, an educational consultant and therapeutic placement consultant. I help families find higher levels of care for young people who are struggling, usually adolescents and young adults. All right. Well, so how did you get into that? Well, so here's the quick story. I'm a psychologist, have a PhD in clinical psychology, and I was practicing for many, many years and also was for many, many years the director of an APA-accredited internship program at a residential treatment center back east. And my wife, who's also a psychologist, one day about 16, 17 years ago, was reading a little newsletter, and she says, hey, there's a training this summer by this organization called IECA, Independent Educational Consultants Association, that looks like it's right up your alley. It's about residential treatment, it's about assessment, it's about adolescents and young adults. So I figured, well, I've got nothing better to do. I'll spend a weekend over the summer down in Virginia. And I did that, and it went so perfectly that Mark Sclaro, the executive director of IECA, at that training I attended, invited me to come to the conference that November in New Orleans and present. I was like, <laughs> someone opened this door, and I discovered this profession that was made for me, and I said, well, who'd been hiding this from me for the past 30 years? This was just made perfectly for me. So I just got into it, and, and the rest is history. That's amazing. So in our industry, we actually use education consultants quite a bit. That's where a lot of like our students, you know, kind of get referred to us and stuff like that. And so I think our goal today was to kind of understand, you know, the world of education consulting and to kind of hear your perspective a little bit about how it used to be and how it is today. And I used to work in a small psychiatric hospital called Viewpoint Center. And that was where I first ran into Steve, Dr. Mignan. And I was very impressed with how clinically savvy you were and obviously based on your training. Mm -hmm. And it was just very nice to have someone that I could talk about some very complex cases with that got it right from the get-go. And, you know, it was, it was very nice. And so ever since that point, I've just enjoyed working with you and getting to know you. So. And by the way, let me just say, it's so wonderful to see people build things and grow in their careers and build programs like you're doing with New Focus Academy, like you've done. It's really, it's, it's great. It's wonderful. Thank you. It was a dream and, and tough, but it's been great. <laughs> All right. Well, so from what I hear, uh-huh. you've been doing this for a little bit. Uh, a while. <laughs> I've been around. He looks like he's 30, but he's, been, he's a little older than that. Just a few years. So, so we'll tell people that um, I got my PhD in 1979. So let them do the math. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <That works. laughs> so um, what was it like back then? Um, so I was trained at NYU. I'm a real nice. New Yorker, by the way. I, I went it. to Columbia, then NYU, <laughs> and I've lived my whole life on either Manhattan Island or Long Island, except wow. for six months in the Bronx. So oh my, <laughs> my six, six months, months was enough. On, the, on the mainland of the U.S. In the Bronx. <laughs> so my very wonderful, wonderful relationship-based psychodynamic training, but there was a lot we didn't know back then. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 40-something years ago. And we've evolved so much since then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really nice to see 
the growth and the development of our knowledge. And for example, for people on the spectrum, we didn't even understand it in those days as being on the spectrum. We understood that there were autistic children and there were, you know, psychologists named Connor. He identified them and they were quite delayed. And I often think, I think back to some of the classic case studies I remember reading back then about children who were described as an obsessional little boy. And there were these wonderfully complex, deep psychodynamic case studies, but I've thought often that, my goodness, that child <laughs> was a child that we now understand is, you know, autistic spectrum disorder, probably level one, mm-hmm. but we just didn't know back then, or that we'd see them as schizoid. And now- Or sometimes even schizophrenia, like some, some case, right. I know there are several cases where, on the state hospital, like right. we thought it was schizophrenia, but it turns right. out it was autism. Right. Yeah. Right. And I remember- children that I treated on internship. And you didn't know, you were just trying your best. Yeah, right. But I couldn't see that person, certainly not see that person as being on the spectrum. Yeah. And in a way it's nice that, no, not in a way, it is nice that we're able to see these folks and provide them with treatments that are more specific to their needs now. I feel bad that back in, you know, when I was interning in 1977 or whatever, it, well, we didn't you know, know. wasn't able to really help. I remember one adolescent boy who was clearly on the spectrum, you know, in retrospect. We yeah. didn't know enough about the We didn't the know what to do. What to do. We and, didn't and, know. Yeah. Right. And it's like we're now starting to put on these glasses. That and finally see. And see, see things see. more clearly, yeah. Right. And hopefully we keep getting better and better glasses. Right. right. So what would you say the major changes are then to now? Well, I think one is that we can see them. Uh, literally, we right. couldn't see them. We didn't know. And in seeing them, we've been able to understand them. And in understanding, we've been able to develop treatment interventions. And in doing the treatment interventions and understanding them, the understanding is more granular. It's not, it's not just this general overall. We can understand that people on the spectrum have a certain set of executive functioning challenges. They have a certain set of cognitive challenges in terms of flexibility of thinking or rigidity of thinking, have a certain set of social challenges or may have, you know, a variety of those challenges. So we kind of got to understand the, the aspects of it. And in understanding the aspects of it, we then can and have developed interventions to help them with the different areas of challenge such as social skills, social thinking. It's not a panacea, it's not a miracle, it's not like a drug that you take and they're suddenly better, but at least we understand their needs and the specifics of what they're struggling with and can address it. Whereas 40 years ago, it was just palliative care. It was just being nice to people, trying, you know, just being a, a... I don't mean this in a negative way, you know, Rogerian mm-hmm. understanding, setting up this safe environment, which is nice, but now we can go beyond that with, with real treatment interventions. Rogerian and, therapy is still one of my favorites. <laughs> Rogerian, th- yeah, Rogerian, yeah, yeah. yeah it's still yeah, it's my wonderful. favorite. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's, um, it's really, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the environment that helps people grow for yes. sure. And But it's also now we have the fertilizer to give them to help yes. them grow, yeah. you know, the specific <laughs> things. <Nice. laughs> and, um, and then we understand the environments in which, you know, a bright person on the spectrum would want to and have a right to grow in, such as attending college. Mm-hmm. And how do we 
consult to a college that wants to be able to serve this population so that they can provide the accommodations and the resources and so forth to give this person the opportunity to be successful in a way that they probably wouldn't have had the opportunity 40, 50 years ago. Well, and even in my shorter career, I think I've noticed that there's been an evolution in understanding that we're not trying to change them, but we're trying to help them adapt. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I first was kind of learning in psychology, it still felt like everyone was trying to change them, make them different. Mm -hmm. And now I think we're like, okay, this is who they are. Mm -hmm. How can we help them adapt to a world that's different than, than they are? Isn't that called wisdom in, <laughs> yes. in our lives also, yes. you know, that's I mean, true. You know, you know, if I, if I, I don't have wings, if I looked at every bird, I'd love to fly. Yes. I would be so envious and so frustrated every day, but I just have to accept who I am mm-hmm. and I do have legs yeah, <laughs> and just, you can run and yes. I can run and, and make, make it work. What yeah. else can you do? No, make yeah. it work. Great analogy. And then you can also get into a plane and fly. That's right. That's right. right. Unless you're scared of flying. But but, but feel feel very cramped, unlike the bird. That is true. That is true. I think they've got, what, is it parasailing and all of that? I mean, there's... I'm just kidding. Um, So what are some major supports that you're seeing now that are really helping these guys out in different ways? You were mentioning, like, the academic piece, like, for school and college and how the world is, you know, becoming more adaptive for these guys, but what other supports are you seeing? So, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what specifically you're referring to, but for example, there are programs now like New Focus Academy that are geared toward the needs of people with autistic spectrum disorder. That didn't exist, you know, some decades ago. That didn't exist. And they would be mushed in with the general psychiatric population and often ill-served because of that. So that would be one example. But others would be, for example, at the secondary and elementary and middle school levels, there are certainly in the public schools some understanding of the needs of these children and accommodations and services for them. There are, at the post-secondary level, there are at Colleges, there are some specific programs, you know, like back east where I am at Adelphi University, a very fine program, another one at Pace University in in Manhattan, you know, Mm -hmm. to serve people on the spectrum, to help them with the challenges that they present in terms of social skills. And that's a challenge for a university because, you know, although a university does have a residential piece and it has its dorms and so forth and its social life, It's basically an educational institution, and they are a little bit more focused on education, so they a lot of the challenges that someone on the spectrum is going to have, though there will be educational, they're also going to be social and not exactly in the um, exact bullseye for an educational setting, you know, for university, the way the needs of a person with language-based learning disability might be more focused specifically on education. Yeah. And then you throw these, you know, young college students into this social setting Mm -hmm. in a dorm Mm -hmm. that's overwhelming them and flooding them. And then they're exhausted during the academic day that they can't focus or be, you know, really absorb their learning because the emotional world or the social emotional world of the dorm setting is just overwhelming them. And that relates to another resource or another that's out there that's available for young people with ASD. And that would be the young adult transitional programs Mm -hmm. that, again, are either specifically geared toward or understand the needs of 
those students with ASD and they provide supports and services for them in these areas, but in a less stressful way, in a more supportive way than, you know, yes, the ones at the university. And many, many, many of my clients will need that, will need those young adult programs because they're just not as helpful as those university-based programs are. Many of the young people I deal with are just not ready for that. That's that's too big a step for them right now. Yeah. Sounds like a lot has changed (laughs) from back in the day to now. Well, we really appreciate you being here. Just before we end, I would love to know, why is it that you do what you do? Well, because I love it. It's very, very gratifying. Not that it isn't incredibly stressful. I, I personally find it very, both incredibly gratifying, incredibly stressful. And um, it's stressful because, you know, by the time a family calls an educational consultant and is thinking about that their child might have to be in a setting 2,500 miles away from home, they've tried lots and lots and lots of things. And, and they're, you know, it's very hard for them. It's very hard for the child. So that that's They're overwhelmed, painful. exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, I'm, I'm a parent myself. I got four grown sons. I could empathize with the parents. I could empathize with the child. It's, it's painful. It's difficult. But it's incredibly rewarding because of places like New Focus and people like Brandon I can find settings where, gee, we have a real good chance of turning things around, of making that change. It's very rewarding when that happens. It's so, it feels so good. And I personally like the feeling of being competent. You know, this is a little selfish, (laughs) but I like that. I like to, you know, someone's here and okay, I think I can help these folks. And yes, the altruistic part of that, but that feeling of just, you know, we have this need to have mastery Mm -hmm. and that's be able to use all my years of knowledge and experience and, and glue together. together so many different things right. like treatment right. and family with the like child and, yeah right right well we are very grateful that you do what you do and that you know education consultants exist and that they're making such a difference in these kids world so thank you thank you so much and thank you for joining us again everyone this is dr steve migden and yeah thank you so much thank you everybody have a good day so long Thank you.